Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to start today with an interview. And But beforehand, I, I think I better go ahead and read all that good stuff that you guys are putting out there. So bear with me one second as I get the right cue started. And as I get that internet cue going, we will be busy as usual, folks. Anyhow, you know how it goes when things when things want to do a little something, but we can take care of that. All right, let's see, let's see, let's see what we're going to do here. Let's see what I'm going to do. I need to go ahead and try to um, get, uh, get a few things outstanding, and then we will get busy. But here is the chat. Let's go ahead and start with the chat. Michael Rudden says, Greta Thornburg says, It's strange Joe Biden is considered a climate leader, criticizes U.S. president for expanding fossil fuel infrastructure. Back when Biden was running for office, he proposed a $5 trillion infrastructure plan to combat climate change, which was actually the bare minimum required to forestall global warming. But even that's been watered down so much in the Build Back Better bill, it still passed. It still hasn't passed. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Okay, second one. New Omicron variant fills up children's hospital. I think we're going to see more numbers now than... We have ever seen, Dr. Stanley Spinner said, Chief Medical Officer and President of Texas Children, Pediatric and Urgent Care in Houston. Cases are continuing to rise between Christmas gatherings, and we are going to continue to see more numbers this week from that. Omicron COVID is the second most contagious virus, and it's demonstrated how bad of an idea letting our guards down regarding social distancing is proven to be. We're about to see a trifecta of suffering in the number of patients overwhelming hospitals in the amount of medical bills that will cause bankruptcies and in the healthcare thing. And you know what's so fu- funny about that? That's funny at all. You know what's worse about all of this? In that um, most people aren't going to really see how bad it is. Because again, let's say 50% of the people are screwed. There are just some people that don't have the empathy to see what's really going on. Okay, the Pentagon just got... billion, but USAID is running out of money for COVID-19 vaccines. Public Citizen President Robert Wiseman asked, Why is there more money for the military-industrial complex, providing no additional protection for our national security and arguably diminishing it? At the same time, the U.S. is refusing to spend just $25 billion needed to make enough additional vaccine to vaccinate the world. Stephen Smear tweeted, In 2021, Biden delivered 8% of the funding for campaign uh, for physical and human infrastructure and 105% of the amount he ran for the Pentagon. Overspending on the military while our nation crumbles around us means both that our military will have nothing left to protect us. Shame, shame, shame. Feeling a need for some good news, unpatented shot dubbed the world's COVID-19 vaccine wins emergency approval in India. I read that on Common Dreams. An unpatented COVID-19 vaccine developed by the Texas Children's Hospital, Baylor College of Medicine, and the pharmaceutical firm Biological E Limited received emergency use authorization from Indian regulators on Tuesday. News that the jabs creators hailed as a potential turning point in a push to broaden global vaccine access, formerly known as Corbivax. The protein-based vaccine has been nicknamed the world's COVID-19 vaccine because it is not patented meaning that manufacturers across the globe can produce, dean, uh, can produce a shot without fear of legal retribution from governments and private companies. Professor Peter Holtz, I remember he was developing the dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor and co-director of the Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development, tweeted, this vaccine can be made locally 
all over the world and we know and we now technology transferred our Texas children's vaccine to producers in India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Botswana. Our Texas Children's Center does not plan to make money on this. It's a gift. It's a gift. Roberto Luis, saludos mi gente. Politics done right. Felicidades a todos. Happy holidays. One love. Norman Reynolds starts. Plus one, two. Welcome aboard. Peter Fleming in from ATL checking in. A lot of our folks are missing because, again, we started five or six or seven minutes late because we've had some technical... Actually, we're still having some technical difficulties, but in the interim, you know how we do. We find a way to make it happen. We find a make... Tom C, plus one. Hi, all. Video out of sync with audio on YouTube. Yes, we had some serious technical issues. I hope it's going to clean itself up in the long run. We, we can all... Hope for that. Whatever the case is, I think the the hard copy that we do locally seems to be in sync. I'm looking at it right now, and it seems to be in sync. So I am going to go on the expectation that that is going to work just fine. But anyway, what what I'm going to do is I'm going to play our interview today and use that time to do a little bit of cleanup, see what I can make better, and then we'll continue from there on. So let's go ahead and get busy with our interview. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we're going to stay a bit local, but do remember that this isn't local in respect to how it's covered. This is something that occurs county after county, city after city, uh, uh, municipality after municipality. Uh, Today, I'm honored to have Shelby Stewart. Shelby Stewart is a former HPD officer sergeant to be exact as well as jeff reese who is a former uh, hpd officer as well leader harris county oh well i'm sorry harris county you know i i kind of mix these things up you guys as far as i'm concerned you guys are all cops man but anyhow <laughs> anyhow let's get busy anyhow look um the, the criminal justice system is an issue for many people and it has a whole lot of different ramifications. And Shelby spoke about something that really got to me that I said, we need to put it out there so that people will make sure that they force their own uh, cops, their own justice system to work in their communities. Shelby, tell us a little bit about you and then tell us a little bit about the issue that we were really concerned about when it came to somebody who got killed. I spent... 28 years on the Houston Police Department. But during that time, I saw so much racism in the department that I I began to be a civil rights activist. And that's how I got involved in civil rights by having to deal with the racism within the Houston Police Department on all levels. And so since I retired in 2009, uh, I've, I've been involved in civil rights actions in Houston and outside of Houston and specifically dealing with police reform, changing policies, getting the community involved in changing the police departments that serve them. Let me stop you a second, Shelby, because I have a question that I want to get sort of in my mind. How many years did you serve? 28 years. And within that 28 years, uh, 
were you able to make any changes internally or is the structure of the police department is that if you bug the system while you're on the inside, it presents a problem for your future? There, well, you, you're gonna have to bug the system because the system is racist at its heart and the way it's structured. And if you don't push the system, then the system won't change. Now, can you push the system from the inside? If you if you if you take the chance to push it from the inside, you have to be skillful. You have to understand your job. You have to understand how to protect yourself, and you have to have a lot of courage. Now, you've been in. Uh, you said you did twenty-eight years. Uh, that probably means that you've been to several. Uh, convention conferences where you've been able to uh, mix yourself up with other police officers and other department. Is this pretty much uh, standards modus operandi for uh, police departments all over the country? Believe it or not, most police departments around the nation have the central tenet that they will hide misconduct by officers and illegal activities. And you may ask why they, why they do that. First of all, the purpose of the Internal Affairs Division is to mitigate damages against the city. So if you don't see misconduct on videotapes and you don't see proof of illegality, then the department is not going to deal with them as to what they were they're going to slap somebody on the wrist and they'll keep their job. But if you see a video of the misconduct, it forces them to take the proper action. That's why videotapes are so important. Now that gives us a perfect segue into the particular incident we, we are really here to talk about with respect to what you saw in a particular community. Let's talk about that. In 2018, in South Union, which is in the southeast part of Houston. A young man was killed at Zollysdale's Park. He was shot by another man. And so the Houston Police Homicide Division went out there and they did an investigation. Come to find out through the mother of the young man that was killed that a female that was involved in the shooting, the police the police officer that was investigating it did not put a hold on her. And what a hold means is that he has enough evidence to, to find out if this person is, is really strongly involved in this case. And it gives him a 24-hour time in order to ask more questions and garner more evidence. Well, that wasn't done. And so the mother of the young man that was killed messaged the officer and said, well, the young lady fired the gun at the other guy. It wasn't my son. Well, did y'all check for gunshot residue on her hands? And the investigator sent back a message saying, well, that wouldn't have made any difference. It just would have meant that she was defending herself. The problem is, is that at that time, he didn't even know she had shot a gun. 
he didn't know what she had done. And so it would have been more prudent to get her to the homicide division to to investigate and and uh, interview her some more to find out exactly what happened. That wasn't done. I think later on you found out that if they had done a real investigation that uh, there were, well, you tell the story. There are a lot of cameras all over the place that could have been uh, right. queried. So after the mother wasn't getting satisfaction from the police department, she hired me. I'm a, I'm a private investigator also. And so I went into the neighborhoods, got on the streets, talked to people, looked around. First thing I did was, because the investigator told us, she asked him, she said, do y'all have any video of what, of what happened that day? She said, the investigator told her, there, wasn't any, there weren't any video cameras. So the first thing I did was I went out there and I checked the area for video cameras. Well, right in the area where the basketball court was, you had a huge business there that had video cameras that covered the whole area. So I went to the business, I spoke to the owner, and I got in touch with the guy that was over the camera system. I saw the camera system and I asked him about it. Well, that was eight or nine months before, which meant that because the homicide investigator didn't go check with them the next day. The video was lost just by missing a simple step. It should be taken in every in every police call, in every crime. Because the strongest evidence that you're gonna have most of the time is video evidence. It's not gonna change uh because somebody's memory memory gets bad. It's not gonna change over time unless it's altered. So every time an officer goes to a call, no matter what it is, he should look around, see if there are cameras, talk to the owner of the place that has the camera and see if they can acquire the video footage. This was not done. And because it was not, because it was not done, you have a mother who lost a son who who hasn't gotten justice because the police department didn't take the necessary steps that they should have in the black community. And I would say this, that had this been in River Oaks or even a middle white class neighborhood, these mistakes would not have been made. I do not believe. So are they then mistakes? Well, I think they are mistakes. And, and the reason I think they are mistakes is because it's something obvious that you should do and you don't do it. And someone comes behind you and the information is let out that, that you didn't take the simple step to see if there was video footage, then it makes you look incompetent as a police officer or an investigator. Nobody wants that pinned on pinned on them. So I don't I don't I don't think it was intentional. But it was it was a 
It's a problem. Let me bring Jeff into the conversation here because today we got a verdict, Jeff, for um, Kim Potter who uh, who shot uh, Dante Wright. And um, it's kind of interesting because uh, one of the things that I said on my program earlier today is that um, you know th there is a there is a sometime conscious, but there's also an unconscious bias that some have when it comes to dealing with people of color. Uh, you know, uh, I honestly think Kim Potter made a mistake with her. You know, I honestly think she made a mistake, but I think she only made she would only have made that mistake with a person of color. In in your experiences. Uh, as, as a cop, have you seen this sort of stuff happen more so on one side than the other? Yes, definitely. And I know Shelby has too. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that, that go into play. Again, why was he stopped? Because he had an air freshener hanging from his back uh, mirror, you know, or he failed the signal. Let me ask you, you, know, you have to ask yourself, what would change in the world if somebody drove around with an air freshener in his car? Or what would happen if somebody turned without a signal? People do this all the time. They don't get pulled over. The problem was all this was done to prevent him from driving off, right? That's what they alleged. You know, and then she supposedly admitted in the first place she would never have pulled this guy over. If that's the case, why the hell are you tasering the guy? If this is a situation you wouldn't have done yourself, you know, and this is a problem. A lot of people get into a situation they're not qualified to handle it. And anybody that claims they mistook their, their taser, their handgun for the taser, that's a, that's a big problem. Right? No, but let, let, I want to I go a little bit deeper, Jeff. Uh, and then we, we'll, we'll take, take the other county issue. Um, my contention is that there's a certain kind of a bias and how do we train against that bias? In other words, that that person, uh, with it, without consciously noting, when it came to Dante, it was okay to alternate. You know, in other in other words, she said, "If I wasn't with the trainee, I likely would not have stopped the guy." Right. The next question is, if it were a white guy in that car driving, and you are with the trainee who wanted to stop, would you have still stopped the guy? You get the point, right? right. So. So the bias, my, my question to you is how do you, ha or rather the question is how do you confront that bias? I mean, what, what uh, Shelby just pointed out is here it is, a black kid gets murdered and the bias was against really doing the necessary work to find out who's guilty. Now we have the case of Dante, somebody who just had a minor violation, if any at all, and the police went half cocked all out to solve that particular issue. How do you get rid of that bias? Well, it starts with training. It starts with the very foundation in law enforcement. And I, again, I know Shelby had a, a very similar experience, but different because I'm a Caucasian. It's a lot different for me. When they trained me, I don't know if you, we had three different districts. And they told me, well, this is a district that's very wealthy and the sheriff lives over here. So you got to wind your P's and Q's. Now this other district is kind of middle income and you could pretty much do what you wanted, but you had to be careful. Then there was a poor district, and a poor district was open season. This is, you know, a time of Rodney King. You could do anything you wanted to somebody because they didn't have the resources to fight you back, you know? Uh, in other words, this, this, this thin blue line protected you from any kind of malfeasance that you did. 
whether it's racist, which of course it is, or anything else. And even today, it's that same perception that the police, whatever the police do is right, whatever you have is wrong. If, you, if you're if you involved with the police, it's your fault. You did something wrong to instigate this, okay? And then when it's a person of color, that's where the problems start. Just what you're bringing up. How is this person going to be handled? You're gonna handle everybody the same? Are you going to handle different people differently? And, and that's the question. It begins in training. It begins in the whole aspect of law enforcement, the driving force behind it, and the rationale that we're this one big blue family, and whatever we do, we're okay. All right? And a lot of times it was made of predominantly Caucasian people. And even some of the minorities treat the other minorities worse than, than that. And, and part of that's in the systemic aspect of police force. Shelby. I mean, that's that's an interesting topic, and I want to throw that right back at um, at Shelby because I've actually seen that in action. Uh, Shelby, what what um, what Jeff just said is, is sort of an interesting dynamic, right? I think that if you see something like that, it has to do with buying into racism yes. within the department as it deals with minorities. Um, I think that, I think that the, the majority of the racism, though, it cut, I don't believe, okay. No, training, no, this, training, hey, let me just say something, Shelby. This is politics done right. On politics done right, you don't bite your tongue. You okay. say it. I don't think that, I don't, I don't know the training necessarily by itself helps because you're asking people that come from different walks of life that may not have any experience with someone of another race other than the values that have been inculcated into them through their parents, their cousins, their friends, and people that they trust. And if they have inculcated a biased view by people that they trust, mm -hmm. then this is what they believe. And so how can, how can you be ethically sound? Because police officers make the most important decisions every day that can change the course of your life and death. How can you be a police officer if you can't be fair? And if you take your biases to every call that you go to, because this is what you believe, then you have no business being a police officer because there's no way that you can be fair. You well, have to be fair. I'm gonna tell both you and um, Jeff this then because that, that is one of the reasons I enjoy speaking to ex-officers like yourselves because I mean, um, uh, you have some cred in the departments and I hope that you use your creds to, to make that change because what you said, what you just said, uh, Shelby, is magic. Unfortunately, a lot more, and by the way, I, I do agree that most officers are not the ones that take advantage of people. But at the same time, I think they do take advantage of people with their silence. In other words, if they 
if they're staying behind that thin blue line, that that is an issue that I think needs to be mitigated. And guys like both of you can do that. Now, because of time, we have to segue into one other portion of this discussion uh, with a little incident, not a little, a, part, a big incident that happened in the courthouse in uh, Harris County, or not the courthouse, Jalen Harris, the Jalen Harris County. Why don't you recount that story and tell us what, what you think is the genesis of that, Jeff? Oh, that's you talking about the rape of a six-year-old yes. sergeant in the twelve hundred uh, jail? No, actually, actually, uh, that one would probably take another time. We're talking about the the the, the kid that got arrested and, and I think uh, got hurt in the prison. Uh, the got killed. Yeah, nineteen-year-old Fred Harris. Yes, that's who he's talking. About. Challenged. Yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah, you know, uh, he was a mentally challenged again person of color. He had a, a IQ of about sixty. He weighed about 98 pounds. He never had a fight in his life. And somebody, uh, again, decided to arrest him for threatening another person with a knife. And he went into jail. The mother went to the jail and talked to the uh, lieutenant or whoever was in charge at the time and explained everything to him. And they assured her he would be segregated from the population, but that was not the case. And he was murdered by a man, 240 pounds, another inmate who had a history of violence and also had a shank and he was kicked and stomped and stabbed to death. And um, so, yeah, that, that's a terrible thing. His name was Fred Harris, a 19 year old uh, youth. He looked like maybe he was 14. And, and the problem that, you know, it, it's happened before. This was, I was not surprised, unfortunately. No, is this, is, is this one of those bias issues that you talk about all the time? The arrest was definitely, yeah. And, and I think this is the thing. If he had been uh, of, of wealth or whiteness, he would not have been in jail. Uh, apparently, the guy got, he got no closer than 12 feet to 20 feet. So how is this person threatened by a 98-pound youth with a knife, Right. So there are other, I'm sure there's other stories, but the fact that we believe and we think we can solve all our problems by arresting somebody. That's, now Shelby, that's what we, they, we were taught this. When you came in contact with somebody you had to, that violated the law, you were duty bound to arrest them, all right? And if somebody didn't do what you told them to do, you put your hands on them and made them do it. And if that came, once you put your hands on someone, they have to go to jail, you know? Uh, Shelby, maybe you can comment. How is HPD on that, on that situation? Well, uh, I supervised in the jail for about 10 years. And that if the mother of an inmate comes and gives you information that he has some psychological issues, then at that point, you've been told uh, and at that point, there are certain things that that supervisor needs to do in order to keep the young man safe. And if he has not taken those actions, then that supervisor is responsible. And if he didn't, if he didn't do what was necessary to keep the guy, guy safe and notify the supervisor of the next shift or his superior of what was going on, then that supervisor may get fired. He's going to be most responsible because he didn't take the proper action based on what the kid's mother told him. 
That is sad. But anyhow, we, we are getting close to the end. I, I think I think I've accomplished what I want to hear. So let me let me ask each of you to do something that I always do. Jeff been with me before, so he knows what I'm going to say. Uh, tell me something that I should have asked you that I didn't. That gives that gives you shall be a chance to think about it. Uh, tell me something that I, that I should have asked you that I didn't, Jeff. Well, um, what Shelby said is, is very sobering. And, and my experience is, is very true, but the department, when I was there, was more concerned about protecting itself than protecting those people at risk. And, and going back to what Shelby started, amazingly, with the internal affairs, is exactly right. Um, it's all about protecting the department, not protecting the, the people. So that was the question you should have asked me, okay? <laughs> I, well, you know, you answered it. Shelby. I, I think that why why is why it's important that the public should know how the department handles itself in different parts of the city because black and Hispanic people pay the same taxes that they pay in the Groves. That's right. Hill and memorial and they should receive the same police service with the with the same with the same care and treat those people with dignity and respect former former officer with the Harris County and former HBD officer thank you so kindly for having been on politics done right we'll keep this series going because there's a hell of a lot more we want to talk about with both you, Jeff, as well as you, Shelby. Thank you so kindly for all the work that you guys do in the community. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, two, two friends of mine, two police officers or former police officers that are, have really joined the cause to make sure things get better. Anyhow, welcome aboard all my newcomers here. Let me see who have we got, who have we got. Let's see. Bear with me as I get over there. All right, Sabrina, Jake. Hey, Sabrina, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you in a long time. How are things out there at KPFA in in LA? So good. Show's going well. A rude awakening. Check it out when you can. Fridays AM at KPFA.org. Climate crisis show for the ages. Let me tell you, Sabrina has a hell of a show at KPFA in, in, in LA. So please remember, go check that out. KPFA.org. Sabrina Jacobs, a rude awakening. And, and check out the voice too. You know, she has a great, great radio voice. Real, Berkeley, Berkeley. Well, sorry. You know, when we think when we think California, everybody thinks LA, but you're right. Berkeley is way up there. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. Great radio voice. Anyhow, uh, welcome Rose Williams. Como estas, mi mujer? Como estas? E2247. Welcome aboard. Matt John says, defund the police. And decarcerate the prisons like Johnny Cash sang of San Quentin. May all the world regret you did. All right, let's see what else we got here. Bruce says, feeling good, feeling good. Bruce is feeling good. Bruce, folks, are recovering from uh, one of our great supporters here, recovering from COVID. I am so happy that he's doing just fine. He's a triple vaccinated, so he's fine. Went to work a bit. Oh, you went to work. Huh, we're going to talk about that, Bruce. Study and cry for uh, conservative viewpoints. Need to learn about power. In the 70s, we said power to the people, but maybe it was just talk. It wasn't just talk, Bruce. What happened is, you know, let me tell you something about humanity. 
um, and I know all of us really know it, but I'm going to reiterate it anyway. We have a tendency to go ahead and move forward and do something. And then when we get, when we figure we either have the problem solved or we are on the path to get it solved, we have a tendency to just go ahead and say, okay, mission accomplished. But the mission is never accomplished. You're always having to move forward and forward and forward and forward and forward. And we have to learn that we are on a mission and the mission never ends. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. ¿Qué más tengo aquí? Sabrina wants me to know it's Berkeley. I got you. Paul Fleming is now on YouTube as well. And Matt John says, thanks for reading my comment, brother. Hey, everybody, as long as I have the time, your comment is going to be read because, as I've always said, this is your show. But by the way, folks, it's time for you to also prove that it is your show because guess what I'm coming to tell you? Please, folks, if you are on YouTube right now, please click that Join button. Become a part of our posse. If you're not on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, or if you are on any other channel, please do remember to go ahead and click politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. I'll give you a little message and encourage you to please join our posse. Join us by becoming a member, a, a actual member Alternatively, you can support us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. Uh, our best <clears throat> bang for the buck, best bang for the buck is, let's see, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. You can either go ahead and do a one-time or can say, hey, you know what, we want to do this on a monthly to support all the work that we do, and I, I explained to you guys all the work that we do several times. Anybody wants to know, well, Egberto, what do you do? You do a show one time a day, and the, no, 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 no. This is a 16-hour-a-day endeavor, writing blogs, processing video, cutting videos, interviewing people, setting up interviews, all of that. And it's a one-and-a-half-person operation done by one. Actually, it's probably a five-person. You know, the, uh, there are many other shows like this that, that, that put out the volume that we do. And they have five people working there and being supported. Right now, we're trying to, we are, we are, I guess, fairly, fairly newcomers, very efficient. So that's why, you know, the work is so hard. Eventually, we will get some more volunteers to come aboard. Anyhow, you can also support us by going to our store. Get our hoodies, get our t-shirts, get all that good stuff that we have. Or it's cups, cups that were designed by our own PDR Posse folks, Politics and Right Done Posse. Now the books, don't forget to get the books. Politicsandright.com slash books. Politicsandright.com slash books. Don't forget it. Let's get busy with the rest of the show. The rest of the show says the following people. Yes! And this is from Common Dreams. Want you to read the entire article. But we're going to go over it. But you know what? It was written by a friend, my dear Benjamin. I, you know, I, I saw her, I, I, I read the article, I didn't see who wrote the article, and then I saw that it was written by Madia Benjamin, and I'm like, Madia wrote an article this positive about 20, what occurred in 2021, and the possibilities of 2022. I went to look up to make sure I still had her number, and said, I got to give her a call and say, hey, let me hear you come and say this, if you have the time on politics done right. Anyhow. So what? Numero uno, the U.S. survived its first major coup plot on January 6th. And key right-wing groups are on the wane. If you remember, the white right-wing groups are losing their battle in court. 
and their all their money is being taken away right so the article says with participants in the insurrection being charged and some facing significant jail time new efforts to mobilize including september's justice for j6 rally fizzled as for trump let's remember that in early 2021 he was impeached again he lost his main mouthpiece twitter and his attempt to build a rival social media service seems to have stalled qanon is in decline its major hashtags have evaporated and twitter shut down 70,000 q accounts we may still see a resurgence, including another Trump attempt to take the White House. But so far, the insurrection seems to have peaked and it's being rolled back. I want to say one thing to, to Madier or to anybody who reads this article. Don't, let's not make the mistake again and say, oh, they, we've got them beat. You never have them beat. You know, you leave a stub in the ground and many trees start to sprout out of that stub. That's what we're talking about with this, this stuff. But yes, the insurrection failed, and we have them on their toes right now. So let's go ahead and do it. Anyhow, second one, Latin America. Now, that is my part of the world. Being from Panama, this turned me on. I'm going to read it because it's worth what we're going to say here. Check this out. Gabriel Boric, a young Chilean progressive who campaigned for broad reform, including universal health care and a higher minimum wage, won in a landslide victory in December. I don't know if you guys understand what, what this means. Chile is one of those Latin American countries where the elites are sort of a, not, they're European in nature, but they're very super capitalist. Pinochet and all these guys getting support from the Chicago boys, uh, Milton Friedman and all these guys, try to make them the superbly capitalist society where even the water was owned by private entities. Now we got a progressive that comes in and say, no, things are not going to be like that anymore. Viva Chile! Viva Chile! Because they have seen the light. But it's not only Chile. His victory follows the victories of Xiomara Castro in Honduras and November Pedro Castillo in Peru, uh, Luis Arce in Bolivia, and in Brazil, former president Lula da Silva may soon return to the presidency via next year's election. Because they see what the charlatan is doing. Uh, what, is, what is the name? Bolsonaro? Bolsonaro? Oh, let me read Carl Cox. Carl Cox says, GOP is rigging election laws to make sure they control all levels of government and the courts. Only if we let them. There are so many more of us that want, it, want a true democracy that even with all the tricks they're trying, we could blow it out of the water. So remember, folks, don't believe the news that says like it's all gone. It's all over. It's not. Keep the faith. Not keep the faith. Keep the action. Not the faith. Keep the action. All right. The struggle for racial justice winding down. Yeah. Hey, look. Who would believe Chauvin gets convicted, right, for putting his neck, his, his knee on the neck of a black man. We also get the, uh, the, the last, the, the, woman got con uh, the woman who killed Ahmad Aubrey got convicted. We also got the killers in South Carolina who ran after, who hunted the guy running through their neighborhood. They got convicted on all, most counts. I mean, what we've said, you hear me talk a lot about America being, most people are good. One of the problems we have is a strong thing with peer pressure. But when you make things so insultingly corrupt, even peer pressure breaks. And that's where we're having the issue. In other words, 
There was a time, you, you, you know, uh, where, where folks would not want to convict. Oh, my God. If I go convict the officer, we know it's a racist thing, but if I go convict that officer, I'm going to be a marked person, and the whole community is going to come up against me. Not anymore. People saw the animalistic nature of many in the police force. And the two cops that I just had on, they could tell you some stories as well. They told me quite a few. All right, numero cuatro. All I need to say is we got out of Afghanistan. That is great. We actually ended a war. Well, mostly ended a war. You know, when we put ourselves in there, there's, there are always tentacles that are left there. But for the most part, we've ended a war where a lot of innocent young Americans get killed. So, eso está terminado. That's gone. That's great. The UN Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons adopted in 2017 went into effect this year after fulfilling the requirement that it be ratified by at least 50 countries. Hecho. Done. In the U.S., workers actually gaining power. COVID-19 proved the point. They need us. And when we decide that we're not going to work and then we have a supportive government that says, in order to maintain your health, we're going to keep you whole until... And people start to see, the, the, the corporations start to see that the first thing they do is they jump on their politicians. Like, like a mansion. Don't give them anything else because we need those slaves to come back to work. We need those slaves back at work. Don't give them anything. But by then, Americans are saying, you know what? We have enough power to stay a bit longer. And if we stay a bit longer, they're going to see. They're going to hurt more than we're going to hurt in the long run. For, you know, for not, you know, when I say hurt, I mean... These guys are path. These guys are what? What is the word? Uh, psychopaths. Most or a large percentage of the super wealthy are psychopaths. You know, when when you don't want to pay taxes, when you have all the money in the world, pay taxes that can give family leave and all of that. That's a that is a pathetic psychopath. No doubt about it. No, especially since you build your wealth on somebody else's back. And all wealthy people have built their wealth on your back. Don't, don't, don't allow a false narrative ever to inculcate themselves into your brain. All wealthy people's wealth, whether they invented something innovative or not, because they could not do it on their own. Look, when I developed ComDRV, I developed most of it on my own, but I also respected that I got an education at the University of Texas. I accepted that the roads and so forth that got me to conferences and all of that was built by all of the people. So I never, ever, when I paid a ton of taxes, I never once felt like, oh, those people were using me or anything like that. I always felt appreciative. Appreciative. Why? Because. Think about it. I've sent what everybody else has done. There was no ComDRV, my product. But the wealthy don't think like that. They're pathological, pathetic parasites. Yeah, I like that. Pa pathological, pathetic parasites. They're PPPs. And they didn't want to support PPP. Wow, that's great. All right, let's go ahead now. Uh, the other one. The UN Treaty, no, the, the other one. And the U.S. workers are actually gaining power. So that's the one we just went over. Uh, left the, uh, Mike Cisak is in the house and he has a, I got to pause here because I know there's going to be something. The leftist politicians take from those who have produced. They are the thieves. I want you to, uh, Mike Cisak, name me a wealthy person 
that has produced are based on their wealth. Please, I want to, Mike Cisak, I want to engage you, my brother. You said leftist politicians take from those who have produced, they are the thieves. Tell me, give me the name of a wealthy person and what they have produced. I want you to get, I, I want you, name me somebody, anybody, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you how little they have really produced. Give me a name. Mike Cisak, I'm, I'm throwing it at you. Give me somebody that has, give me a billionaire that has produced something. Please. I want to hear the name right now. Right now. Give me the name. Nancy Pelosi has produced nothing. Uh, uh, but come on, come on, come on, come on. I want, I want you to give me the name of a billionaire who has produced something. I'm waiting. I am waiting. Evidently, you can't come up with one, can you? All right, let's continue. While nearly enough, there are some environmental gains. Yes, there are environmental gains, but we still have a lot more to go. Look, ultimately, we are going to have to elect a lot more progressives, real progressives. I'm not talking false progressives. Okay, let's talk about Bill Gates. I, you know, I, I knew, I knew it was, if he come with somebody, he was going to come with something like a Bill Gates or or something like that, right? So let's let's go with Bill Gates. Let's start with Bill Gates. Bill Gates, first of all, was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. His parents had money, etc., etc., etc. But when Bill Gates decided that he wanted, he heard IBM needed an operating system. Okay? When he got an operating system, what did he do? He didn't develop it himself. He ran to a company in Seattle. He bought it. He had the $50,000. He had capital to buy that thing that somebody else developed. And he did not give it to IBM. He licensed it to IBM. And IBM, for every computer they sold, gave him a piece of the action. Your money. Your money to build gates for something somebody else developed. So I think that's pretty much debunked now that Bill Gates was not the genesis of the master capital that he has. Now let's talk about Bezos. Bezos got $300,000. And by the way, all of this is in my book. Uh, in my book, I talk about this in my book, um, uh, uh, How to Make America Utopia. Because, you know, Americans sit down in there and think these billionaires actually did something. And I'm telling you, I love Bill Gates. He's a fairly nice guy. But he didn't deserve the billions that he has. It's other people's worth that made him what he was. He's not the best coder in the world. In other words, he doesn't write the most esoteric software. I've seen his software that he's written. He's not the best coder. I know Leroy Gay, a friend of mine that, I, that worked at, um, at uh, NL Industries, code so, I mean, had elegant code, magical code, in Z80 and in PDP-11, okay? So please, I've seen it. Let's talk about uh, Amazon owner. The Amazon owner, oh, how great is he? His father gave him $300,000. And the first thing that he thought about was, maybe I need to establish Amazon on an Indian reservation so that I don't pay taxes. Okay. So a country that afforded you so much, the first thing you thought about was how to avoid taxes. Now, let's talk about Amazon, right? Amazon makes, uh, they started by selling books. Whose books are those again? Oh, it's my book and books from a million different people and they take a good action off of it. Uh, does he deserve that piece of action to be all his that he takes from the hundreds of thousands of books while he underpays his workers? No. 
He didn't make the money. The money that he has is the excess worth of others that he decided not to pay. But you see, we don't learn that in college. We don't learn that in business school. We don't learn that in high school. We just think, oh, it's great. Let's talk about uh, 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 Brother Musk. Brother Musk, every single idea that he has, has its genesis in the government. The space bus. Look, everybody got crazy. Oh, Alan Musk took off from Texas and he flew into space. Oh, and you thought that was great? It wasn't even an, an orbital flight. We did a suborbital flight with Alan Shepard back in the early 60s. They didn't do anything new. They used better looking equipment. The computers looked nicer. The thing was much more beautiful. But they didn't do anything esoteric. They didn't even go into orbit. They didn't even really get into space. Um, you see, when, when, when a society is made less intelligent, as opposed to more intelligent as we learn more things, what, what people who would say Bill Gates and, and Jeff Bezos and all these other guys, somehow it starts to make sense to them that these guys produce something. Leftists don't have a clue about how value-added works. No, 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 no. Value added as defined by whom, Brother CSAC? You see, the people who wrote the economic rules wrote it for a few. It wrote the economic rules. Capitalism was written in such a manner uh, that we know how to take advantage of others. And we make it legal. We make it plausible. Then we teach it. And as we teach it, people believe it and they make it a part of their being. No, sir. That's why we have politics done right. An alternative point of view that actually is more based on humanity. Because again, remember what capitalism stands for. I am going to make a contract with you. I am going to make a contract with you. And in making a contract with you, right, I can take advantage of you. Bruce, it's really not anger. It is passion. And when, uh, well, on my part, it's not anger. It is passion. And I think uh, we have to learn to discern differences between passion and anger. When one has passion for something that has been done for so long, a system that has been there for so long that so many people, good people, Mike Cisak is not a bad person. But he is indoctrinated into a system that makes antiseptic slavery valid. In other words, again, if I were to tell you that the guy who invented MS-DOS sold it for $50,000. He invented MS-DOS. And he sold it. Was, it that time it wasn't called MS-DOS. It was called CPC. I don't remember the name of it. Okay, He invented it. And that somebody knows that there's a deal to be made with IBM. And he underhandedly come and he buys it from you, buys it outright, not license it from you. He buys it from you. And then he goes to IBM and he, and he takes your intellectual property, right? Because capitalism is about contracts. He, takes, he legally takes your intellectual property and then he goes and makes a deal with IBM. And then he becomes a billionaire and everybody give all the accolades to him, right? 
all the accolades. Nobody knows the name of the guy who actually made this real thing possible. They know Bill Gates. Bill Gates was the one who was able to move capital. Anger? This is not anger. This is telling the truth. This is trying to put inculcate into people's minds what and how our system works. And the problem about it is too often it works so badly for most. And we sit down and we have those who continue to promote that, oh, that is okay. And you, look at what Mike C. Sex is. When he says, you just don't understand what value added means. Of course I understand what value added means. You know, I sell, pro I sell a lot of products and a lot of people, I, I sell a lot of products of people who've added value to it and made money on it. And you know what? On the thing they put, uh, original design by Egberto Willis now put out there and I could I can name you hundreds of companies if I open my database and shows like I said Boeing is uh, the, the, the stuff at Boeing they use my thing to for their testing equipment for the 787 and the 777 all right I'm the only one at that point in time who could drop the RTS signal to bring the data in that's a fact Bruce says there were several other operating systems MS-DOS won for many reasons it was good but has been value added yes it was added it, added value was added to it but um for those who ever got the first 4.77 megahertz pc which i was one of the first back in 1983 to get let me tell you the entire bios basic input output system for that that system was out there it was written ibm gave it to you because ms dos was so bad compared to, uh, to for uh, uh, an operating system re re ready for prime time that the entire BIOS was given so that you could go and tap into the BIOS. I would go into the BIOS and say, okay, I'll issue an int 14 for the serial port to do XYZ. And there are times I would patch int 14 to do certain things. This is in the old days of programming. What I'm saying, the added value to MS-DOS still wasn't such that Bill Gates, the Billion, the, the, well, at that time, millions that he made over that, and also, let's say, from Window. And this goes to Steve Jobs, right? I'm, I'm going to go over for about three minutes because I started late. Steve Jobs, right? The same thing applies to him. Everybody loves that Steve Jobs came up with this, this mouse thing called um, uh, Apple, the, the Apple IIe and all these things. Oh, it's great, great technology. But it was designed with government money and, and with Xerox, Right? They're the ones who design the mouse interface, the mouse type interface. So we get somebody, ah, oh, that looks kind of cool. I will build on that, and I am the one who capitalize and make all the money on it. My contention is that at a, an economic system where the person who is best able to capitalize an idea gets rich, when the inventor of said idea just is left unknown, that, if you want to consider that a fair system, I can't. That system is really a, a, a system of anti I mean, it, it, it just isn't. Hey, ABQ, thank you for having been here. It isn't. Again, we, if, if, if we as a society knew the truth about these issues, if we as a society knew the truth of these issues, they are, they are less able to come out and tell us, oh, well, somehow it's better. 
Mike says, that's the point, Egberto. People who know how to organize ideas, how to put people together. The MSDAS system was limited and didn't make much. It wasn't until it was opened up to all programs that other people made it that it was made MSA rich company. You missed the point again. Absent its genesis, there would be nothing. Absent the genesis, there would be nothing. And it isn't about uh, who knows how to organize. No, it's about who got the chance. I always talk about, you know, if I had the chance to do certain things. Thank you, Egberto. I am team Ashley Strong. Thank you for being team Ashley Strong. Maybe Unix is better, but MS-DOS sold. We're arguing our state of business and science. We need to control capitalism so everyone gets a fair share. And that is the point. That is the point. In other words, those who built it, those who built it. I remember when Obama told somebody, you didn't build that. It created a havoc. Unfortunately, he was right. They didn't build yet. Anyhow, folks, I got to get out of here. Please remember to go to uh, support our program. You know, we tell the truth here, folks. We tell the truth unabashedly. Sometimes it hurts a few people that, that thought, you know, it, it, it hurts a few people because they're heroes are, are, are not necessarily heroes. N none of us are big heroes. We are all a collective. And until we realize that we are all a collective, we are all in this together. Not, not no Bill Gates by himself. Not no Oprah Winfrey by herself. Not no, none, you know, Oprah Winfrey couldn't make it without the camera. The guys who invented the camera and all these things that, 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 that played a part in making her it. And that's the issue you have to be and understand. My name is Igbo. Well, beforehand, please support our show. Go to politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.